to the Better Me Podcast. I am your host, Jen, and just a friendly reminder, I'm merely a curious girl looking for a platform to chat, learn, and dish. I'm not a professional therapist or claim to be an expert. Also, in every episode, I can't assure you this is at all appropriate for children, so be aware of that when starting to listen. And with that, let's work on being a better me. Hi, and welcome to the Better Me Podcast. This is Jen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a really awesome episode planned for today. John is joining me, and we are going to be discussing the book, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. I actually find this super fascinating, and I think that you guys will really enjoy getting the insight from John as that is basically what he does for a living, and I'm sure he'll explain that when he comes on. But the book itself is amazing. There are many podcasts on about it, and I think you guys will get a lot of great information out of this subject. So thank you again for joining me today. And like I always say, please remember to rate and review and subscribe. And if you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram at Better Me Podcast. I would really appreciate that. You're always welcome to send me messages there or via email at bettermepodcast at gmail.com. So I am going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I will be joined by John. Thanks, everybody. Hi, and welcome back to the Better Me Podcast. This is Jen, and I am joined by your favorite, the uh, guru of the gift of fear himself, besides the author, of course, (laughs) my husband, John. Oh, thank you, honey. Yes, I'm in a very relaxed (laughs) mode right now. Well, you better pump it up a little bit for pump this one. Pump up the jams. Oh, oh and we're singing. No. <laughs> we're singing. That's the extent of it. <laughs> that song actually came on yesterday. We were both like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that song. <laughs> Who sings that song? Uh, oh, that's... Are you going to stump me right here now? Wow. Pump up the jam. I don't know. I'll be damned. LL Cool J? No, that was a different... That was doing it, and you were like, who the fuck sings this song? Oh. Oh. <laughs> that one I knew. Huh. LL Cool J. He's, uh, he's one of those guys who never gets old. No. Like... Always super hot. I think he's no in matter. Mo- he's probably like sixty. I think he's in movies too. <laughs> LL Cool J. Yeah. Oh yeah. So if LL Cool J came to the door, would he be? Could he replace Mark Wahlberg? Um, for for that day, sure. Thirty minutes. <laughs> keep it up top. We're on a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, we may have to circle back to that one. <laughs> I have a little spot in my heart. For El Cool J. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He's so hot. Really? Yeah. Now i got to see what he looks like. Uh, well, yeah. I think you'll uh, you'll probably think he's hot, too. I mean, you can mm. tell that he's hot. I have no problem saying a guy is good looking. Yeah. I probably won't use the word hot. Well, and I think that um, we have totally different ideals as we, to what is hot. We do. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a totally different subject. Okay. Um... So we are talking about the book, The Gift of Fear, by Gavin DeBecker. 
It is available basically everywhere the books are. Correct. Um, there's also several podcasts about the book, and there's an Audible. So I recommend people actually get the book or listen to it, that it is very beneficial. But I think that we're going to do a pretty good job of sort of, you know, giving everyone the cliff notes. Yeah. This is one of those books. Do you want to tell everyone what you do for a living so that they could actually understand why this is something that you could speak on? Well, the title makes it sound more than it is. So I work, I'm an anti-terrorism officer for the government. Mm -hmm. And really, that's nothing more for me than being a liaison between the federal, the feds, you know, FBI, Homeland Security, the State Fusion Centers, um, organizations like that, the FBI Joint Terrorist Task Force, mm -hmm. and the military. Yeah. You know, uh, but I do, I am afforded the opportunity to go to a lot of interesting courses and classes and seminars where a topic like this is forefront, a lot of active shooter, um, you know, a lot of, 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 of kind of, post-mortem investigation of like an event like a Chattanooga shooting or uh, a Columbine type of event mm -hmm. so uh, I do do a the majority of my day is re is getting intel products from the different law enforcement agencies um, so I do have a good idea of what's going on in the world that might not make the national news cycle you know what I mean yeah, just well, enough to like um, scare you, keep your wife up at night. Yeah, and um, and then you know I have a lot of friends and clients who will ask me like, "What is your husband saying is going on right now? <laughs> is the grid going down?" Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes. But it's funny that we're talking on this subject. And I'm going to let you tell this story real quick because we just had an incident about a week ago, a little over a week ago, we were out in San Diego. We weren't there more than three hours and we were almost the victim of a crime. Yes. Well, let me just um, back up a little bit and I'm just going to kind of break down like what the book is about. Okay. So the book is basically that like fear is your intuition. It's your sixth sense that there's something not right about the situation that you're in. So basically it's, you know, encouraging people to use that fear to keep yourself aware of what's happening around you. Right? Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, yes. It's, it's basically saying that... When something makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck or something, your gut just tells you something feels off mm -hmm. that you have to listen to your gut. You have to listen to your sixth sense because that is not just a saying. There is actually science behind that. Right. Isn't there like something in like literally in your gut? Yes, you have the only other place that you have more neurons in your entire body than in your than in your guts and your intestines is in your brain. Right. And so when they say it's a gut feeling, those that's literal. That's literal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And it's, it's that sixth sense or that gut feeling is a self-preserving radar system that each person, each one of us have. It's always on. It right. never, it never turns off and it always has your, our best interests in heart at heart. Mm-hmm. Problem is sometimes we just don't listen to it. Yes. Right. Well, I'm sure that there was a time and there probably still are times when I haven't had, you know, that kind of intuition, you know, I wasn't very aware of my surroundings as much, but you make me stay aware of my surroundings (laughs) and now I'm hyper aware of my surroundings. Yes. Well, and, and and that's funny because one of the things, and now this wasn't in the gift of fear. This is what uh, this was a uh, uh, Cooper's color code. Um, can I explain that real quick? What Cooper color code is? Yes, because we'll probably say I'm in the yellow I'm or whatever. Yellow, right. So, uh, uh, Colonel Cooper was a um, firearms uh, instructor for the military for the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a color code that uh, kind of signifies your situational awareness. And there's four colors. Some some Cooper color codes have five colors, but the one that, that I'm familiar with has four. So, for example, white. When people are living in the white, they're completely oblivious. They have no situational awareness. They're um, completely clueless as to what's going on around them. Good example is when you're at a red light and the car in front of you, the light turns green and they don't go because they're daydreaming, they're on their phone. Uh, you see it all the time. You, you, you see the crazy things of, of a, like a camera in a mall and somebody's on their phone and they walk right into a water fountain and stuff like that. Right. They just have no situational awareness. And, and living in the white, like most people do, is a very dangerous place to live. Yes. The next color is uh, the yellow. Yellow is you're relaxed, but you're very aware. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody would, you, you, you're, you're not darting around with your eyes like you're worried about something, like you're paranoid. You're just relaxed and just taking it all in. The average person would look at you and just look, almost look like you're people watching, but you're, you're taking information in at a rapid rate, mm-hmm. you know? And then orange would be if you've identified something is amiss, something looks wrong, there's that gut feeling, and your mind starts to create different um, strategies of how, what type of actions you might have to take. A good example, you're driving down the road, and you're in the yellow, right? So you have good situational awareness, you're looking at your surroundings, you're looking at the sides of the road, and you see a ball come into the into the road. Mm-hmm. And you see it because you're aware. So now you immediately start thinking, all right, if there's a ball, there might be a child following that ball into the road. So you flip to the orange, which now is your mind is creating different alternate routes and different actions that your that you can take. Do I have stopping distance? If I have if I can't stop, can I is there anything that will obstruct me if I have to get to, go to the ditch to the right? Would I hit somebody? Would I hit another car? Could I go to the left? Mm-hmm. You know, any uh, maneuvers that I might have to make in case that kid shows up. Right. So that would be in the orange. Your 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 mind creates it, and then the the red is something is going on. There is a kid. There is a bad person, and you've got to take action. Mm-hmm. 
and the red is taking action. And that could be fight or flight. Okay. You know? Yes. Another quick example, I won't, I won't just keep beating it up, but you're in line at a 7-Eleven. You're there to pick up, you know, a six-pack of beer or whatever, and you see two individuals walk in, and they just don't look right. Maybe they're dressed too warm, or maybe they're not dressed warm enough for, for the weather. Maybe they come in together, but they separate. Maybe their eyes are darting around. They're looking around. They're, they're looking very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And because you're, you're in the yellow, you, you, you observe that while everyone else in line is completely oblivious that these two individuals came in. Mm-hmm. So now you're thinking to yourself, all right, courses of action. Do they have, do they have a weapon? Where are my exits? Um, maybe I should just get my beer somewhere else and get out of here because I think something bad's going to happen. And then... That's and then of course red. If something did happen, you would be just a, a fraction of a second. You'd already have that mind. You'd already know where the exits were. You're already moving towards the exit because you've already created that mental script in your head, and you're that far ahead of the next person in right. taking action in in getting yourself out of danger. Yes. So that's Cooper's color code: white, yellow, orange, red. Yes. Yes. So, um, I mean, we've talked about this many times before that, and you have given me, like, we've actually run down a system if something were to happen while I'm home alone. And I know exactly what steps I would take if somebody broke into the house and I was in bed, let's say. Yeah. And to the point now where it would feel like second nature because we've gone through it so many times, you you know, talked through it. And also you actually had me run through it before and just to like get the timing down and whatever. That's right. But it, it would feel more like it's second nature to me now. Correct. Other, other, rather than trying to create uh the actions that you should be taking while you're in, you know, in the middle of the night and you're just full of panic and fear because somebody just broke into your house and you can hear them in the house. Mm-hmm. Now you've, your mind is just, it's already, it's already laid the plan out. All you have to do is follow the script that you've laid out. Yeah, it's like, for instance, if you're woken out of a deep, deep, deep sleep at one in the morning by the gas company, but not know it's the gas company right That's outside your bedroom window. Just happened to you. <laughs> it did. That's right. Um, I did not panic. No, you did not. <laughs> um, but yeah, nothing happened, obviously. Obviously. Well, other than our house being struck by lightning. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole other story. Yes. Um, so do you want to tell the story as to what happened or do you want me to? Uh, go ahead. You're a good storyteller. Well, so we were just on vacation while you were working. I was on vacation (laughs) in San Diego. And we went for a walk to get ice cream. And while we were on the walk back to our hotel, there was a guy. He was kind of like walking off to the side of us. And then suddenly he was walking behind us. Right. And he was walking fast enough where I kind of moved you over. So he could pass. But he did not pass. He did not pass because we got to the intersection. Yes. Right. And then what did he do that was very off color? Well, he started to kind of come right behind me, but to the right of me where my purse was. No, no. Before that, at the intersection, what did he do? Remember, he belched really Oh, loud. yeah. Right. So you knew he's just a freaking kind of a nasty individual. Yeah. I mean, he looked... Not 
not, sketchy. Not well-mannered. Obviously didn't give a shit what people thought of him. Right. You know, he just looked like a thug. Yes. Okay. So then when we continued to walk, then he got right behind me. And it made me feel really uncomfortable. And I felt like something could happen. So I kind of pulled my purse up towards me. And I was holding on to it with my hands. And... I was really just sort of waiting for it. And I knew that you knew what was going on too. Yes. So just when we got up to the next corner, he hit me from behind, like hit my bag from behind, almost like he was seeing if he could pull it off my shoulder really easily. He was already on a, in a, on a, a running at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But since he couldn't get it off my shoulder, he just darted. And just kept going. And ran. Right. So, I mean, but because we were, you know, we had the gift of fear. Because we were already in the yellow and then in the orange. Correct. I was already thinking, like, okay, if he does happen to be able to get it off my shoulder, I can stick my foot out and trip him. But I figured by that time, you know, you would have jumped over anyway and you had when he started running you jumped over right so we were both totally ready for something to happen so anyway i have my i kept my purse (laughs) kept my wallet yeah and god forbid that had been a louis vuitton you would you may have killed well it was gucci right well yeah but it's no louis (laughs) so but that shame on me for carrying a, a gucci bag (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it's the 4th of July and you're in downtown San Diego. Yeah. But it was we, it was broad daylight. Broad daylight. Like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. But so, um, so we but were ready goes, for it. It just goes to show you that it can happen anywhere, anytime. Yes. Bad shit happens. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think that especially when you're in a city like that, you know, and there are a lot of... I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but there are a lot of, like, homeless people and, you know, mentally ill people on the street. Like, yeah. you, you are very much aware. Well, yeah, or I you mean, should be very well, much well, aware. Any place where you have a lot of people, because there's a lot of people, the, the chances are high that some of those people are going to be criminals. Some of those people are going to have mental illness. Some of those people are going to be... Drugged out of their fucking mind. Right. You know? Right. So. Well, and especially after, like, after he burped so loud and right. stuff. That was, was a like, cue, a very obvious cue that this guy is. Bad. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that was a good example, though, of, you know, your intuition told you that that situation wasn't right, and it wasn't. Correct. And the problem is. See, and some individuals will say, okay, I don't want to stereotype, so I'm not going to, you know, look back. I'm not going to make it look like I'm worried about them. Right. Because they don't want to appear rude or racist or or stereotype or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where things can, that's what can get you in trouble right there. Right. So. Right. Um, we also had a, a situation on the plane. I don't know if you, do you remember that the, that the guy next to me pulled out like a book of plans? Yes. It was like plans for a building. And 
I looked at it and then I looked at you and you were looking at it and I knew that you were thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. That like, oh, what are these plans for? Yeah, what, what, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like planting a bomb at the stadium. R- right. I mean, <laughs> y- you think of all those, you even think of the nine, during the 9-11 attacks, um, there were so many different instances where someone could have stopped that. Well, the flight school, right? The flight school. I mean, one of the co- one of the guys was was actually pulled over by a state a Maryland state cop uh, on his way to the freaking airport. Wow. Um, I mean, I I could I could spend just days talking about that how that attack went down, but uh, yeah, I mean, and that's where. Well, I think they should, and this is totally a side note. I just thought of this, but shouldn't they give like extra attention to people who buy one way tickets? And they do now. They do. Oh yeah. Yeah, often there's so many different things that the average person may not even be aware of that is now in place, uh, different protocols after uh, since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd think there would be. And that's one of them. And, you know, same thing with flight schools and same thing with, you know, just, you know, TSA, state fusion centers. I mean, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So. Good. Well, okay, so let's get back to the book. Yes. So um, I think in particular this is a really good book. Not, I mean, I say in particular for women because I think women have more of a tendency to be worried about offending someone, especially if it's like the advances of a guy. Yes. So a guy is like, um, I'll just give you an example you're in your apartment building or you're outside of your apartment building and you're carrying a bag of groceries and a strange guy comes up. That exi- and- that That's one of the examples from the book. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I didn't actually read the whole book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I listened to a podcast where the author was on it. Right, right. But that is a very good example. So continue. So he offers to carry your groceries to your apartment for you. While those, you know, those groceries look like they're so heavy, let me just carry those for you. And as a woman, you're like, no, no, I'm fine. And he says, well, no, like take advantage of me. I'm just walking by anyway. Like I, I'd love to carry your groceries up for you. Your gut is saying, why would I let a strange guy into my apartment? Yeah. Why is he being so insistent? Why is he so why is he being so nice? Right. And that's where we should just say I said no and walk away. Right. What yeah. we do instead a lot of times is we think, well, I don't want to look like a bitch. Correct. So you are like, okay, I guess, you know, but inside, you know that that is a wrong decision. And um, so I think the book really emphasizes, or the author himself emphasizes that, you know, a, a good person, a good guy would understand that you can say no. Right. And that you have to protect yourself. You're not going to look like a bitch. You're just going to look like someone who, you know, is smart. And self-preserving. Correct. And maybe, I mean, if they want to help carry the groceries to the front door and then put them down, 
mm-hmm. you know, but the whole, but in the book, that is exactly what goes on, and it goes into detail of what the lady was thinking, uh, it is very similar to that. Okay. Um, and the, well, the whole book, not just to beat up on that one topic, but the whole book really teaches you on how to, um, kind of listen to your gut and, and what it's telling you, um, and not to ignore it. It really drives that point home and it gives example after example after example mm-hmm. of real stuff that has happened. Uh, and it teaches you some very, very good ideas that way you could train yourself on how to to increase your situational awareness and what to look for mm-hmm. uh, and how to respond. And, I mean, if you have kids, I don't care, not even if you have kids, everyone should read this book. Mm-hmm. We live in a violent world. You can't turn on the news and not see just something horrific happening damn near every single day. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you one thing that... Um, Actually, Michaela said this to me the other day, and it I, I had never heard it before, but as a parent, the best thing that you can tell your kids is that an adult never needs your help. If you are a child and an adult asks you for help, that is bullshit. An adult never needs help from a child. I was like, that is really good advice. Yes. I I had never heard that before. Yes, I thought that was really excellent advice. Did you just did you just tell me earlier about if if you if the kid is lost to go find someone that looks like their mother? Is that you? No. Oh, maybe maybe. No, we ran into those people at the pool though that their like three year old knew their address. Right, which might not be the best for OPSEC because. They <laughs> The kid was telling us. She actually told me, Aaron. I I said, where where are you from? And she said, you know, 2754 Smith Lane. Like, (laughs) the mom was like, oh, yeah, she's not supposed to say that. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, they had trained that kid that if you ever get lost, find a policeman or find someone that looks like a mommy. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's good advice to tell a child. Find, Find a policeman. If you can't find a policeman, find someone that looks like a mommy. Because kids have an instinct of what a mommy should look like. Okay. And even if their mommy is a freaking complete rag bitch, <laughs> in their mind they know what a mommy, the, the the type of mommy they like to have. Oh. You follow me? Yeah. Even if their mommy is a drug user, still mommy, that would be the, the would be the mommy they would seek out. They would seek out a mommy that they would like to have, oh. that other kids have. Oh. And ask them for help. Who told you that? That's it, really good. It's, it's in that book. Oh. Yeah. That's very good advice. So, I, I, I thought we had maybe had discussed it. That's why I asked. No, I hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah. Um, well, I, that woman at the pool was saying, you know, she had taught her daughter their address because she had heard so many times about kids, like, wandering off, which actually that happened when um, when my niece was little she left the house while my brother was sleeping oh as like a little little child Evelyn yeah oh and was like walking down the street Uh, huh so I was thinking that when that little girl knew her address I was thinking you know that could happen how easy could that happen easy right so okay getting back to the book so basically you should just say 
I said no yeah. to someone who offers their help and isn't taking no for an answer. And that should be the end of it. Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan. Just, just say no. Just say no. <laughs> well, you should say, I said no. <laughs> no is no. <laughs> That's easier said than done, though. I know. Like, when course. I say it, I laugh. I know. Because I'm like, I would never, I would never be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think most people don't want to be assholes, you know. But if you're, if you're in, again, Cooper Color Code... If something is telling you something's amiss, you gotta just you you have to listen to your gut. Yes, so important. Okay, so the other thing that I thought was really interesting in the book was um, the number one red flag of a bad guy is that they give an unsolicited promise. Oh, so I promise I'm not a rapist. I <laughs> promise I'll leave you alone after this. I promise I won't hurt you. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's, that just is every stereotype of not only just bad people, but fucking bad boyfriends, bad husbands. You know, I, I promise I, promise. I, I won't hit you again. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yes. But I thought that was pretty, I thought that was a good one too. Yeah. I mean, definitely a red flag. Um, let's see. Pre-incident indicators. That is your unconscious seeing clues. Yes. That was one of the things in the book. Yes. It, that's it. <laughs> oh no! I, I thought you. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna. No, make, I. Make, make I was thinking. I was gonna throw shit out, and then you were gonna actually back, oh, back well, it up. Well, uh, again, I mean, it, it, one of the things that uh, another like the Cooper Color Code. Um, is called the OODA loop. Okay, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of the OODA loop? Uh, yes, I have. Oh, yes, <laughs> you have. You, uh, can t- you can tell the listeners. So the OODA loop is um, a kind of something that you can run through in your mind and something that you should do to take action. Something goes with situation awareness. So the O of the OODA loop is observe. That is, you're just, again, you're you're in the lo- yellow. You're just kind of relaxing. You're, you're watching, okay? And then as you, as you watch this, and if you see something that's, that's going on, mm-hmm. then you have to take a look to the next one, the, the next step of that, which is to orientate yourself. Like, okay. let's say, for example, uh, again, I'll use the same, uh, you're driving down the road and you observe a ball rolling into the road. So now you have to orientate yourself. How much stopping distance do I have? Could I freaking drive? Could I could I go off to the right? Could I go off to the left? Where are my hazards? Am I going to hit on tra- oncoming traffic? That you're orientating yourself. Okay. Right? And then the D is you're going to have to decide what actions to take. Do I slam on the brakes? Do I hit to the right? Do I hit to the left? Mm-hmm. Um, and then A would be you got to act. That's the OODA loop. That's kind of so you're you're observing, you're orientating yourself. You decide decided what actions to take, and then you got to move. You got to act. You can't second guess it. If you're, I mean, you hear it all the time about individuals in active shooter situations. They some people just freeze. Yes. They, their body just freezes up, and they can't move. Mm-hmm. Um, and individuals that are already on the move, looking for an exit to get out, 
Um, I mean, they're, they're the ones that usually survive those things. Yeah. You know? And that is one thing that, I mean, you have told me to look right when I get somewhere. I should figure out where the exit is immediately. Yeah. And I do that quite a bit. Well, you know, one of the things I had the luxury of doing, I'll tell this quick story, is I had the op- the opportunity to talk to Tim McCarthy. Tim McCarthy was the Secret Service agent that was that took a bullet for Reagan during the, the 1982 uh, uh, assassination. assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity to sit down with him because I really want, was curious at this time in what type of training the Secret Service got? Because if you ever, there's a, there's a YouTube clip, a YouTube uh, a documentary of the Reagan assassination. And in it, it goes frame by frame of when Hinckley's first round was fired. And you see the press, uh, Washington Metro PD, onlookers, everyone was going into self, you know, self-preserving actions getting down because of gunfire. Right. And it goes frame by frame. And while everybody was was like covering and cowering and, and, and dropping to the ground, the Secret Service, Tim McCarthy, was jumping and making himself as big as he could in front of Reagan. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was instantaneous. At the same time, Jerry Falwell was pushing Reagan into the back of the limo. And... I had seen this YouTube video and I was very curious, like, how the fuck can you respond that fast? Right. I mean, it, there was no thinking about it. It was just instantaneous. Yeah. And what I what he had, he had mentioned was about a thing called mental scripting. Mm-hmm. And that is where they run scenarios through their head. When this happens, if this happens, here's what I'm going to do. You know, so if, if we ever hear a, sh- a a shot, this is what I'm going to do. And they all knew exactly what to do there, and they're running it through their head. Mm. And that mental scripting, I mean, you watch golfers do it all the time. A, a professional golfer, before he tees off, will stand on the tee box and just stare down the fairway. You're like, what is he doing? He's literally mentally scripting where he envisions that ball to go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's just another example of it. So, but I thought that was an amazing piece of advice, mm-hmm. you know? So if you are in a, in a movie theater, you know, if, if all of a sudden you think, okay, I hear commotion behind me and people screaming behind me, I'm mentally scripting. There's an exit. I'm going to get low and I'm going to move to that exit quickly. Yeah. And it, because you've already scripted this out, when it happens, you're already moving. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like the little drill that we do in case somebody comes into the house. Yes. Same thing with, with families should be doing all the time. What do we do if there's a fire? What do we do in the middle of the night if the, uh, the house fills with smoke? We can't see each other. We can't communicate because the house is engulfed with flames. And you have a large family of a wife and, and four kids in different bedrooms. Yeah. Do they know how to get out? Do you have a rally point where you're supposed to meet up for accountability purposes? Do they know not to chase the damn cat? 
Because Stan Lee will be, where will Stan Lee be going? I know I, you'll be chasing the damn cat. <laughs> I will put on my fire hood and I will find Stanley. Yes, well, and because we have fire hoods in the house. Yes. Because we mentally scripted this out, <laughs> all right? But yes, Stanley could be a liability. I think that's why you bought me the fire hood. I think so. Because I wouldn't give up on the fact that I'm finding Stanley. I know, I know. <laughs> but no, that is really fascinating. And you know what? I don't think Secret Service guys really get that as much credit as they deserve. Like... I mean, you literally are putting your life on the line. Yeah, I mean, that's their whole job is they will, they'll... Take a bullet. Take a bullet. They'll give up their life for someone else. That's incredible. That is incredible. I would like to watch that YouTube video. Yeah, uh, oh, it's great. Huh. Yeah. I actually, um, I'll think about when I'm at work, depending on which chair I'm in, I'll think about, like, what if somebody came in the front door well, and, and you, started And shooting? that's funny because you remember the Azana shooting. Uh, well, and I didn't even think about it until that happened. Yes. There were, well, for Tell those of you story. who don't know or don't live in this area, there was a local salon that on a weekend day when the salon was very busy, um, a disgruntled boyfriend of one of the stylists came in and open just started open shooting in the salon and didn't quit. He went through like, you know, the whole salon, he went up to the treatment rooms and I, it was just awful, just a massive, awful situation. And he ended up killing himself. But after that, I mean, salons were scared because I don't know if anybody had ever really thought about the fact that, you know, obviously salons are filled with, you know, mostly women, you know, um, generally. And a lot of those women have boyfriends or husbands who might be disgruntled. Yeah. Um, so it really gave us all a reason to think about it. So you actually came in and did a talk with my salon in particular and just basically told everyone, you know, these are the kinds of things that you need to run through your head. If, you know, a situation like that were to come up, what would I do? So I even will tell, you know, my clients who know who you are, what you do, and like are interested, they'll ask me, you know, like, okay, so what's the plan for this chair? Yeah. And I'm like, well, if somebody comes in, we're throwing this chair through that window you know, or this is where the nearest exit is, or we're going to run down that way and hide underneath that, you know? Right. Well, I mean, and the old active shooter used to be, you know, run, hide, fight. Is That's kind of what Homeland Security still teaches. Or, or then, you know, then it's, they change some of it. Some strategies are, are avoid, deny, defend. But they all mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Your first course of action I've ever caught into a bad situation, active shooter, is to get the distance yourself. Yes. Get out of there. Don't be a hero. Go. But in order for that to happen, you got to know where the shooter is. How many shooters are there? Where are your exits? You know, cover, concealment. Do, do I have places that I can get down behind? So, you know, uh, you know, cover is something that you could hide behind that the rounds wouldn't penetrate, like a strong, big, thick desk or you right. know, brick Which wall. Which I do not have. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then concealment is just things that where you can't be seen, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, of course, that's your first course of action is avoid or run. 
And then if not, then you have to hide or deny. Hide is a bad word because you don't want to hide into a place where you don't have a way to get out of there. Mm -hmm. But if you can lock yourself into a room and and uh, that's what the Davy bars are for. Mm -hmm. You know, the Davy bars, a, a door blocking device is designed to, to buy you time so that someone can't get into that into that area. Well, and I do know that one of the massage therapists at Azana ended up locking her treatment room and putting her massage table up against the door and yeah. that basically saved her and her client's life. Yep, that's exactly what you're, you're supposed to do, shelter in place best you can. And while you're in there, you're kind of creating a battle plan because you don't know if they maybe they will get in there. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for weapons of opportunity. Um, I know you laugh at me, but I always like to sit in the back of the aircraft because there's weapons of opportunity back there. There's fire extinguishers, there's hot coffee, you know, there's things that you could throw, there's things, there's, there's trays, you know, there's a lot of things back there that is useful if you have, if you have to, mm -hmm. plus you can see the whole cabin in front of you. you can, if things are going on, you can see what's going on. It's not behind you. Mm -hmm. So, yes. <laughs> know, we go back and forth on that. Um, but anyway, but and, and then of course the last one is fight. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is now where you there's no escape. You're you're going to die unless you take some type of evasive action. And everything I have never been in this situation, but everything I've ever studied, everything I've ever read, every seminar I've ever went to, is if that ever happens, you've got to channel anger. Yes. Like, oh, hell no, you're not taking me away from my husband or my kids, you know. Mm -hmm. oh, you you got you to gotta bring out an inner rage and that adrenaline and all that emotion and channel it and just go after them and claw and fight and stab and, and everything you can to escape and, and, and maim or, 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 or hit or you just got to freaking go after the individual with rage and not intimidation and fear. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. You hear about people, women who can lift a car off their child. Yeah. Because they, that's that. There's so much adrenaline. That's right. Mm -hmm. You have to channel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would hope that that would happen naturally for me. <laughs> well, you, you're right. But what I'm saying is if you, while you're in that situation of why you're, you're you're hiding and you're and you're you're sheltering in place, this is the thing that okay, if this guy gets in here, it's go time. Yeah, it's fucking go time. You want to go? You want to try to take my life? It's go. It's a bad idea. Right. You just fucked with the wrong wife. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're still what you're telling yourself. Yeah. That's you know, you want to be a little Tasmanian devil. <laughs> I'll do my best. I know. <laughs> okay, so um, the things that the bad guys do before causing harm. So like just red flags of things that bad guys will do. One is niceness and charm. Okay. So they're going to try to, you know, come off as being the guy who just wants to carry your groceries into your apartment. Right. Right. And be very charming. You know, oh, you, you know, a beautiful woman like you shouldn't be carrying her own groceries. That kind of thing. Sure. Makes sense. Um, the next one is too many details. 
There's too many details, and what that means is that it equals lies. The, a stranger is not going to tell you every detail of his entire history. Even if, what if he's hitting on you? Well, I still don't think... I don't know. I'm going from the book. Aren't you supposed to be backing me up? <laughs> well, no. I'm, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Oh. You know? Well, I mean, it's just like too many details. Right. You know, I had a red 1981, you know, uh, Mustang when I graduated from high school in 1987. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's too too many details. Right. If you ever find yourself thinking, like, who the fuck cares? Right. You're probably getting too many inf- too much information. Right. Too many details. So. Right. Um, another one is typecasting, like a negative perception. So you must be too stuck up for a guy like me. Well, and there goes kind of like what we were facing downtown San Diego, where we were worried about if we were stereotyping, you know, oh. Right. Is it because, you know, I look like I'm homeless or is it because I'm black or Hispanic or Asian? I mean, is that why you're looking at me like that? Right. No, motherfucker. I'm looking at you because you're walking behind me at at a slow pace. And you're burping. And you're freaking belching. (laughs) Right. That's behavior. That's not what you look like. Right. In fact, the last thing you should ever do is stereotype just on someone looks like because if you're doing that, then you're not watching behavior. And behavior is the thing that will give them away. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Um, another one was loan sharking. So extends on unsolicited help. Making a victim feel like they should reciprocate. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can understand that one. I mean, I think a lot of individuals, if they're, if they're too willing to, to help you out, um, that, that maybe, and a good one on that is those window washers in Baltimore. And there's even a freaking they'll tell you about that when someone starts washing your windows, well, then they want money, right? Even though you didn't ask for your windows washed, if they ran that wiper across there and sprayed your freaking car, they want their damn money, right? So they're expected something in return, right? Yeah, um, well, so like, what do you do then? You, you, you. You just you, you keep your windows up. You do this. Say you know, no. Say like no. No. Okay. Maybe you turn your wipers on so that they can't oh, do it. Okay. You know, and then you just look straight at. Well, look straight ahead, but I mean, don't lose sight with where they're at because yeah, that's a lot of criminal activity come from those window washers in those inner cities. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was force teaming. So making things look like you have things in common by using words like us and we. Yes. So it makes you feel like, you know, a more of like a camaraderie, right. like a team. Yeah, like, hey, I missed the bus, you missed the bus, maybe we should get a cab together. Exactly. Right. Yeah, great you know, example. Now now we're a team because we both missed our bus. Mm-hmm. Probably not a good idea. Probably not. No. I just, um, I don't, I'm sure it's, because of you, but I would never, I would never do that. No. I would never share a cab with a strange what guy. If you look like LL Cool J. Okay, well then, yes, I would. <laughs> oh, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I mean, I, well, that is something that maybe we should talk about is like, 
I maybe you would let your guard down. Yeah. For a stranger that was attractive and charming, and and well, yeah. I'm sure. And that could be like so super dangerous. Well, everybody says that. Who's the serial killer that everyone says was like really hot? Oh, we just saw we uh, the um, was it the Los Angeles? Did we? Um, was it? No, he was played Hillside Strangler. Was it the Hillside Strangler? I think it was the Hillside Strangler. Or no, ah, oh, which one was it? No, it was like. Um, I know what you're thinking. The Hillside Strangler, he was like a little bit... Yeah, that's not the one, though. The one I'm thinking... He had like a fan club, but they were weird. No, the, he was played by Zac Efron, right? right? In were... in a, a documentary just recently. Yes. I, really... He was like one of the main ones. I know. I can't, I, I can't think of the damn name right now. It'll come to us right after we stop this podcast. But the point is... Everybody says he was actually like a super handsome guy. Right. And so a lot of, he, he killed nurses, a lot of nurses, right? Yeah. Um, but they were attracted to him. Yeah, so yeah. they probably got themselves into certain situations that maybe they wouldn't have had they not thought like, oh, this guy's cute. Like, yeah, I'll share this cab with you or, yeah. you know, I'll walk with you. Well, they, he probably did not look like your stereotype, typical criminal Thug, bad guy. Yeah, was it? Wasn't he like a a college professor, or he did something on college campuses? It's killing me. I can't remember. It's gonna come to us, or somebody's gonna be like screaming at home, like, "Ah, it's so and so." Son of Sam, you idiots! (laughs) No, it wasn't the Son of Sam either. (laughs) (laughs) Did I ever tell you about the study? Uh, There was a study done in the seventies where they took. 300 very, very violent criminals from the prison system, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, these are like rapists and murderers and strong, uh, strong-arm strong batteries. Uh, and what they did is they showed them different individuals walking down a street in the city, mm-hmm. right? They showed young women, middle-aged women, older women, young men, middle-aged men, Right? And they're trying to say, and they're saying, okay, I want you to watch this group of people or this individual walk down the street. And I want you to tell me which one of these would you, as as if you were going to commit a rape or a murder or a violent act and you were going to do it at random, which one of these would you go after and which ones would you, would not? Mm-hmm. And you would think, it's like, okay, well, all the, all the women they're going to go after, the, especially the older women, maybe then the older men. Believe it or not, the age, the sex, none of it had anything to do with who they would attack. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was more, uh, some of these would attack a man, a middle-aged, a, a middle-aged young man before going after an older woman. Mm. And it was all based on a few things. It was, it was their gait, their, their walk. Did they walk with purpose? That was the that was the other one. Did they look like they were had situational awareness? Did they look like they were observing everything? Mm. Like nothing could get by them. Like they were alert. Mm-hmm. Or did they just look oblivious? Like you know the the Wall Street banker who's 
you know, got the Wall Street Journal and he's, he's trying to, you know, t- take a cup of coffee, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it did, did it have anything to do with the weaker sex or an old woman or anything like that. Even older people can walk with purpose and confident and shoulders back and aware. Mm-hmm. So if you're out and about in a mall, in a city, walk with purpose, walk like you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that was a really, really good study. Take in your surroundings. Yes. Um, I'm going to get the name of that study so I can share that with your listeners because um, I can't remember what it's called, but it was like in 1978. Oh. Yeah. Another thing that you shared with me is that there are exits in the back of every store in a mall. So if you're in the middle of the mall and you hear something going down, you can run through any store Right, I mean... And at the back, there's always an exit. Malls are just a prime, prime target for, like, mass shootings and active shooter situations. Um, And, yeah, because there's only, like, four or five main entrances of a mall, and everybody wants to run, and it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm -hmm. Because they all are funneled into one area. Same thing with movie theaters. That's why they're so damn dangerous, because... There's only like three or four exits of a movie theater trying to funnel them out. Right. You know, so obviously sitting close to an exit, even though it's not the middle of the row, you know, middle of the movie theater where you have the best view, maybe sitting next to an exit where you'd be the first one out that damn door is beneficial. Same thing with malls. Get going to any store, go in the back. There's a hallway that's lead to, in most cases, I mean, most malls, I can't say that every mall is constructed that way, but most malls have where the employers come in from. Yeah. Have an exit. And that ha- goes to a hallway that goes to another exit. Yes. So, yes. Um, and we actually have talked to our daughters about, like, if you're in a club, you know, make sure that you're looking for the, you know, the rear exits, the, you know, the closest exits to where you, where you are. Think of that, that shooting down at, uh, in Orlando, the Orlando nightclub shooting, mm-hmm. you know, um, most of most of the people were found dead were in the bathrooms, you know, because they went in there for cover and they couldn't get out. Right. They were just stuck, yep. you know, not knowing their, their their surroundings, not knowing how to get out, you know. Or in a restaurant, run into the kitchen. Right. Run to the back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good things to know. Always, always. Um, yeah, I think that was it for me. Yeah. So well, you know the, the 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 big thing, the big takeaway on all this is you never know the, the place where you spend the most of your time is probably where you let your guard down the most. Mm-hmm. Like if you're at home, you're like, okay, I'm in my home, I'm safe, mm-hmm. right? And that's where you'll go, you'll drift into the white. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you're in your car and you're listening to music and you're sitting at a red light or you're sitting at, 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 in your car checking your phone is probably when you're most vulnerable. You mm-hmm. know, those are the times where you really are, do we keep our doors locked? You know, do I know, you know, like in this house, I know where the weapons are, but nobody else would know where they're at, mm-hmm. you know. Um, having a thing of something as simple as hornet spray with you in your car in your car for a road rage incident 
hornet spray. Now, granted, it's, it's for killing hornets, but you never know when you get a hornet nest under your hood or something like that, right? Or for carjacking. Or for carjacking. Mm -hmm. It's got a nerve agent. It's got a paralyzing agent. It's got a tear agent. It shoots 28 feet. There's a lot of it. You can, you can keep it spray. in your car, if, if whether it's cold or hot. Correct. Right. You have to take the safety tab off so you can use it. Now, and I say that, obviously, the best thing would have is to have a weapon. Right. We just had an incident down in Racine three days ago. Did you hear about that? No. Okay. Three days ago, a guy at 730 in the morning, Racine, a 22-year-old kid from Elkhorn was filling up his car with gas. A guy pulled out, pulled up, pulled pulled out his gun, walked up to him, and executed him right there at the pilot on 94. Oh, my God. Then he got in, the, in his car and drove five minutes down the road to another station, a mobile station. Another guy filling his car with gas, got out, was going to do the same thing. By the grace of God, this guy happened to be an undercover cop. Wow. And the cop killed him. Wow. But think of this. He had no... He knew nothing about this guy. There was no motive. There was no road rage incident. He was a random person that he just executed, and he was probably going to go on a killing spree. Wow. And just by the grace of God, that second person he ran into was a guy with a gun. Oh, thank okay? God. You know, we can talk about gun control all you want, but bad There's... guys are, are going to have a gun, and the only thing that takes it down a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Some people are comfortable carrying a gun. I get that, okay? Right. Uh, but having like mace, horn spray, stun gun, anything that's legal in your state, bear okay, spray. some bear spray, something that you can grab quickly as a standoff weapon, you know, mm -hmm. they can you can be backing up and still incapacitate the individual. Yes. But the big thing is um, teach situation awareness. You know, they say you have to do something twenty one times to make it become a habit. And that is so true. If you think about it, have you ever went to bed sometime and think, oh, I didn't do something. Was, oh, I didn't brush my teeth. Right. right. Because it was so habitual that it's telling you something's wrong. Something's wrong. Oh, I didn't brush my teeth. Well, after you do something 21 times, it becomes a habit. So if you just make yourself say 21 times, every place I go, I'm going to look for an exit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look for an exit. And you do that 21 times, it then becomes habit. Yes. And then you teach your kids that. And you teach your wife that 21 times. And maybe then you walk into a place and, and, and you just develop those situational awareness skills. And if you just do that, if you just increase your situation awareness in life uh, and live in the yellow, not in the white, your chances of not being um, victim. a victim of some type of violent crime are probably much better than the average Joe. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. I think this is going to be a really, really beneficial episode for a yeah. lot of people. But read the book, The Gift of Fear. It's worth your time. There's another book called The Left of Bang. Think of the left of bang. Le bang is the explosion. Left means you want to do something before. Yes. So you're not there. Right of bang means you're now responding to something that happened. Yeah. So two good books. Left of bang, uh, Gift of Fear. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, honey. Yes, dear. This was very good. These are the things I hear all the time, but I always have like friends and um, family and.
clients ask me like, when are you guys doing an episode about that, about safety and you know, whatever. Cause they know. <laughs> they know. So anyway, well, thank you everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you got a lot out of it. Make sure you share it with your family and friends and your kids. I think it will be a beneficial one for everyone. So Thank you so much. Love you all. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.